This episode is powered by Poddex. Poddex are unique interview questions and episode starting prompts in the palm of your hand. So whether you're a new podcaster or existing broadcaster looking to grow your audience and have more meaningful conversations, you're going to want to check out Poddex. Now, if you want to get 10% off your order right now, you can go to poddex.com and type in coupon code, what's the code? Larry21. Yes, that's the code. Check out poddex.com. Take your podcast to the next level. Welcome to the Talkin' Texas Rangers podcast, where we dive into the latest rumors and news surrounding Texas Rangers baseball. Welcome to the Talkin' Texas Rangers podcast. I'm your host, Larry Lace. On today's episode, we're diving into the latest headlines from around Globe Life Field. But first, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Game Time, for sponsoring this episode. If you're looking for the best place to find tickets to your next Texas Rangers game, or for any kind of event, check out Game Time today. Use the link in the description, and you can help support the channel. And now on to our first topic, the Rangers are returning to Sunday Night Baseball. It only took about eight years, but the Texas Rangers are finally returning to the prominence of the Sunday Night Baseball stage. ESPN announced on Monday that the Rangers would be kicking off their 2023 lineup of Sunday night baseball games against the defending NL champion Philadelphia Phillies on April 2nd at 7.08 p.m. Eastern. The fact that this will be Texas's first appearance on Sunday night baseball since 2016 is noteworthy, as that season was the last one which the Rangers made a playoff appearance. Surely it's a sign that ESPN is starting to believe that the Rangers once again And who wouldn't after the team has gone above and beyond to bring in superstars like Corey Seager, Marcus Simeon, and now Jacob deGrom in the last two offseasons? Winning is at the forefront in Arlington once again. But if you thought one Sunday night game was exciting, how about two in one month? The Texas Rangers will also be playing on ESPN two weeks later on April 16th against AL West rivals and the defending champion Houston Astros. Times are changing, and quickly. Getting two Sunday night games in prime time against the two World Series teams from 2022 is about as good as it gets for the Rangers, especially considering the team has only won 60 and 68 games the last two seasons, respectively. All of the efforts that GM Chris Young and his staff have put into hiring Bruce Bochy as manager and their subsequent player acquisitions are finally starting to gain league-wide traction, and fans across baseball will get to see a much-improved Texas Rangers product for themselves in 2023. The Arrow appears to be pointing upwards for the Texas Rangers, and ESPN is helping to make sure everyone sees why by including the team in their Sunday Night Baseball lineup next season. Let us know your thoughts on the Rangers finally appearing on Sunday Night Baseball. Do you think it will help them in the long run, or do you not believe in the team yet? Let us know, and on to our next topic. Framework for a potential max free trade to the Texas Rangers. I'll start this off by saying I think there's a very small chance that the Braves trade their best pitcher and max freed before the season, let alone to the Texas Rangers. 
MLB pipeline analyst Jim Callis was recently on Hot Stove on MLB Network and hinted at the possibility of a Max Freed off, um, trade. Callis is a longtime minor leagues reporter for various outlets and would know what teams are thinking. He has sources in every front office that help him with information about their minor league systems. He is able to call or text sources and get a text back from them. I don't know where he got this piece of information from, but let's just assume that someone told him that the Braves were gauging what Freed's market would be if they were to trade him. I can't imagine he would go on air with that piece of information without knowledge of the Braves' thinking. Let's start by looking at a past trade for a good starting pitcher as framework for what the Braves should be expecting. This past July, Luis Castillo was traded from Cincinnati to Seattle. The Mariners sent four prospects. Noel V. Marte, Edwin Arroyo, Levi Stout, and Andrew Moore to the Reds in exchange for Luis Castillo. They traded their number 3, number 8, and number 15 preseason prospects according to Baseball America. Moore was a 14th round pick in the 2021 draft. That's a pretty significant trade. Later, they signed Castillo to a 5-year extension for $108 million later in the season. Max Fried is more accomplished than Luis Castillo at this time. Having been on a World Series winning team and pitching in a clinching game back in 2021. I am thinking the Braves likely want at least five players, probably a combination of players and prospects that they would have more years team control over. They are also still looking to compete in the NLE East with the Mets and Phillies, who will be the headliner of the trade. I'm thinking they would demand that the Rangers include one of their top pitching prospects. That means Jack Leiter, Owen White, Mitch Bratt, or Cole Wynn. The Rangers say no to Jack. They view him in the same way the Braves viewed Spencer Strider prior to the 2022 season. The Braves then agree to take Owen White, who had a better season than Leiter in 2022, and is a former first-round pick like Leiter. The second piece is someone they can place in their rotation this season to help them continue to compete. That means someone from the Dunning, Otto, or Reagans group. Any of them would be able to step in and be able to be a fourth or fifth starter for the Braves. Let's include Glenn Otto as the second piece. Unlike Dunning, he is not coming off surgery. Otto is also solid down the stretch, has great stuff, and just needs to continue to work on his control. He can do that pitching in the back of the Braves rotation. He showed signs in the second half of making improvements. He struck out more batters with 60, walked less with only 28, and had a higher strikeouts per 9 inning at 7.3. If he can continue these improvements in 2023, he can be a very valuable starting pitcher. The third piece is someone from the Rangers MLB roster. The Braves need a left fielder to join Michael Harris and Ronald Acuna. Acuna excuse me. Eddie Rosario was pretty terrible in 2022. He played in only 80 games. He missed time due to hamstring issues as well as needing laser corrective eye surgery. Let's include Adolis Garcia in the trade. Garcia was much more productive this past season and is able to play every day. He increased his batting average to 250, less home runs with 27, but fewer strikeouts, more stolen bases, and more walks with 40 as well. In return, the Braves include Rosario in the trade and cash. The cash value is $9 million, bringing his remaining contract down to two years $9 million. The Rangers will be paying him $4.5 million the next two seasons. They are betting on getting the Rosario who won the NLCS MVP in 2021, and was a regular 25 to 30 home run guy from 2017 to 2019. The fourth piece is Luis Angel Acuna. 
The Braves bring Ronald's brother to Atlanta. It appears Dansby Swanson is heading elsewhere, and they are handing the shortstop job over to Vaughn Grissom. Acuna would go to AA or AAA and be insurance in case it does not work with Grissom. He will still play shortstop every day and get some work in the outfield as well. I think that would excite Ronald that he would potentially get to play with his brother down the line. The final piece is Avery Williams, a future left-handed reliever. He came over in the Lance Lynn trade from the White Sox. He was moved from rotation to the bullpen last season. He was left unprotected in the Rule 5 draft this offseason, but was not picked up by anyone. He is someone, if he can develop more control, could be a solid reliever. The Rangers with Brock Burke, Taylor Hearn, Brett Martin, and potentially Matt Moore are not really needing left-handed relievers. This deal helps the Braves continue to compete now while also giving the Rangers a secondary ace to team with Jacob DeGrom. They still have the financial resources to go out and sign an outfielder trade for one. Freed is still under team control through 2024. I imagine the Rangers will be looking to extend him immediately upon signing him as well. I put the trade in the MLB trade value simulator and it came out that the Rangers are slightly overpaying. But the numbers were closer than you might think. The Braves are getting 52 points in value from the five players the Rangers are giving up, and the Rangers are getting 48 points in value from the two players they are receiving. The Rangers did this trade, having a two-headed monster with DeGrom and Freed at the top of the rotation, would give them one of the best rotations in all of baseball. Again, I doubt the Braves move Max Freed this offseason or next. They are actively trying to compete for the World Series. If they did want to do a trade, though, this is likely what it would look like and what it would take for the Rangers to acquire a pitcher, pitcher of Freed's statue. What do you think? Would you do this trade or not? Let us know in the comments section below. And now on to our next topic. Three Texas Ranger outfield targets that are not named Brian Reynolds. The Texas Rangers have made big splashes this season after finishing 68-94 in AL West and sixth straight season with a losing record. Ray Davis, the owner, has committed to spending money this offseason to fix the Rangers' glaring holes in both the rotation and lineup. So far, the Rangers have lived up to their word by re-signing last year's ace, Martin Perez, signing Andrew Heaney, and signing arguably the best pitcher in baseball in Jacob DeGrom. The Rangers' rotation is greatly improved from last year, yet holes in the lineup can still be fixed, particularly from the outfield spot. Currently, the Rangers' outfield looks like this. At left field, Bubba Thompson. Center field, Leody Tavares. Right field, Adolis Garcia. Garcia is the best overall player in the group, while Tavares and Thompson are young outfielders trying to establish themselves as part of the Rangers' future. Brian Reynolds would be a huge upgrade for the outfield group, but the Pirates' demands are too high for the outfielder. With that in mind, let's take a look at some other outfielders that would boost the Rangers' lineup. Number one, a new leadoff hitter from Colorado. The addition of Jonathan Daza would give the Texas Rangers a new leadoff hitter to hit in front of Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager. While he does not add a lot of power to the Rangers lineup, his ability to get on base isn't something that should be overlooked when looking at the Rangers lineup. This past season with the Rockies, the 28-year-old batted 301 with a 349 OPB, 384 slug, 733 OPS and two home runs. Despite playing at the hitter's haven at his Coors Field, he didn't hit many homers, but with the Rangers, he doesn't need to be a power bat. 
He can easily slide into the leadoff spot and provide a boost at the top of the order. He turns 29 in February and will be under team control through 2027, giving the Rangers a strong leadoff hitter for the foreseeable future. With Daza, the Rangers will have more, F uh, more RBI opportunities at the start of the game, which will certainly make sluggers Marcus Simeon, Corey Seager, and Adolis Garcia very happy. Number two, a power bat from Milwaukee. Adding Tyrone Taylor would solidify the bottom of the Texas Rangers batting order by adding another power bat and strong defense. A strong center fielder for the Brewers this past season, the 28-year-old Taylor, adds a boost to the Rangers lineup and outfield that desperately needs that production. In 2022, Taylor hit 233 with a 442 slugging, 729 OPS, and 17 homers, all being worth six defensive runs saved in center field for the Brewers. This level of production would be more than warranted in the Rangers outfield, who is missing another bat to complement Adolis Garcia. With Taylor in left field and Garcia in right field, the Rangers can expect strong defense and around 20 homer seasons from both players. Despite his production for the Brewers, Taylor may not figure it in their long-term outfield of plans. The Brewers' top five prospects can all play outfield and are all close to being called up very soon, which hurts Taylor's trade value, making Taylor an affordable option for the Rangers. With the team control through 2027, the Rangers should look to add his bat to a lineup that needs it. Then, finally, at number three, a lefty bat with plenty of potential. While Taylor and Daza both provide boost to the offense and defense, they wouldn't have the same impact as Alex Vertigo would have for the Rangers. A strong bat with above average power and defense is something that the Rangers desperately need. The former Dodger prospect, who is the centerpiece of the Mookie Betts trade, finds himself as the perfect solution for the Ranger, Rangers outfield woes. This past season for the Reds, the 26-year-old Vertigo hit 280 with a 405 slugging, 733 OPS, and 11 homers. Great numbers, but not compared to the shortened 2020 season where he hit 308, 478 slugging, 804 OPS with 6 homers. That potential with a lefty bet that the Rangers need to add to the lineup make him a great addition for the Rangers lineup and outfield. With team control through 2025 and still young, won't be 27 until May, he would be great bat at the top of the lineup and outfield. With the Red Sox needing to focus on extending Rafael Devers and adding pieces to their team, Vertigo finds himself as a trade chip and one of the Rangers should target. Now imagine a Rangers lineup in 2023 with Vertigo that looks like this. Starting off, number one, Vertigo, then Marcus Simeon, Corey Seager, Indolis Garcia, Nathaniel Lowe, Mitch Garber, Josh Jung, Jonah Heim, and Leody Tavares. This lineup would be among the best in the league. And with the rotation the Texas Rangers have assembled, will help the team become a playoff contender. Let us know your thoughts in the comments section below. Should we sign any of these? Which ones would you sign? Or is there somebody we missed and should have included? Let us know. Now on to our next topic. Six players that the Rangers could target at the trade deadline. The Rangers are going to make a big trade soon. That much seems obvious. The question that remains is when will Chris Young decide to pull the trigger? Texas has a deep farm system that includes several promising middle infielders who are likely blocked at the major league level for the foreseeable future by Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon. 
They also have a strong crop of pitching prospects along with multiple outfielders who could have tremendous value if the Rangers decide they are willing to part ways with them. It won't be a surprise if the Rangers swing a deal before spring training, but they could also wait until the 2023 trade deadline. By this point, the Rangers should have a clearer picture of their most obvious needs along with their position in the standings. Teams also may be more willing to listen to offers for specific players who aren't currently in trade talks. The Rangers have shown a willingness to make this kind of splash before. Leadership was different during the summer of 2010 when the Rangers acquired Cliff Lee and Mark Lowe from the Mariners in exchange for Justin Smoke and three prospects, but the impact was obvious. Could the Rangers have another deal like this up their sleeve? If the team decides to wait until the season to make a deal, there are several big names who might be available. These are six players the Rangers could or should target during the upcoming season. Right off the bat, Shohei Otani. Otani would be a massive acquisition for the Rangers, even if they could only guarantee a few months of him playing in a Rangers uniform. The two-way MVP is set to become a free agent after the 2023 season. It could command a contract that far exceeds previous records. There's a chance that the Angels are unwilling to trade Otani to a divisional rival, and it will take a lot to meet their asking price. If there's any chance that Otani becomes available, there's little doubt that Chris Young will pick up the phone. Then, Shane Bieber. The Guardians have shown a willingness to trade their stars before they reach free agency in the past, although they did just sign for four-time All-Star third baseman Jose Ramirez to a massive extension, there's a sense that Bieber may become available before available via trade before he becomes a free agent in 2024. He would form a nice one-two punch at the top of the rotation alongside Jacob deGrom that would give the Rangers a tremendous level of confidence in any postseason matchup. Liam Hendricks. The Texas Rangers would likely upgrade their bullpen, and Hendricks might be the best available closer. He has saved 114 games over the past four years while posting an ERA under three in each of the last four seasons. Hendricks is under contract through 2023 and has a club option for 2024. Tyler Glasnow. Like the Indians, the Rays are another team that doesn't let their position in the standings dictate whether or not they make their star players expendable. And before you say that, it's never a good idea to trade with the Rays. Remind me who it took for the Rangers to acquire Nathaniel Lowe from the Rays before the 2021 season? Glasnow came back late in the 2022 season after undergoing Tommy John surgery. He gave up a one-earned run in two starts and pitched 6.2 innings. He signed a two-year extension before the conclusion of last season, but nobody on the Rays is ever untouchable. And Glasnow will want to test the market if he can continue this type of production. Then, Juan Soto. The Padres made the NLCS last season and recently signed Xander Bogarts to an 11-year, $280 million contract. Why would they want to trade an MVP caliber outfielder who they traded for less than one year ago? Soto doesn't yet have a contract extension, and the Padres have some tough decisions to make in their future. Manny Machado can opt out after the 2023 season, and the Padres are already in a position where they will have to pay the luxury tax to keep their team together. If they don't feel like they have a good chance to re-sign Soto, they could look to unload him while recouping some of the assets they gave away to lure him from the Nationals at the 2022 deadline. The Rangers had conversations with the Nationals about trading for Soto before they dealt him to the Padres, and it makes sense to imagine them getting involved if he were to become available again. And of course, like we previously mentioned, Alex Vertigo. 
Vertigo has never lived up to the massive expectations he brought with him to Boston after headlining the deal that sent Mookie Betts to the Dodgers. After losing Xander Bogarts in free agency and facing the possibility of watching Rafael Devers walk away next offseason, the Sox could look to clean house. This would mean trading Vertigo, who's under contract through 2025. Vertigo totaled 7.3 war between 2019 and 2021, but only registered 1.2 war during the 2022 season. He'll turn 27 next May and still has plenty of time to turn things around before he hits his prime. Let us know your thoughts in the comment section below. Which players would you trade for? And which ones would you leave alone? And do you think we would actually have a reasonable shot at getting Otani? Let us know. And now our next topic. Our 2022 in review. Corey Seager. With the 2022 regular season over, it's time when we go back and take a look at the players who appeared for the Rangers this past season. This week, we look at shortstop Corey Seager. Seager was really good in 2022. He was 14th among position players in the American League in F-War at 4.5, 22nd in B-War at 4.0. He put up a 119 OPS plus while playing shortstop. He stayed healthy, coming 24 plate appearances short of matching his career high. He was named to the AL All-Star team. Overall, he had a solid beginning to what is expected to be a decade-long run with the Rangers. That being said, there's an overall vibe of his season being a little bit of a letdown. He slashed 245, 317, 455, which is less than his career 287, 357, 494 slash line. And while some of that is the nature of offense being somewhat down in 2022, his 119 OPS Plus is below his career 128 OPS Plus. He hit well, but wasn't quite the offensive force that would have been that we would have been hoped for. Somewhat weirdly, he mashed at the shed, which is neutral or somewhat pitcher friendly, depending on what you look. He slashed 273, 351, 550 at home, compared to 217, 282, 363 on the road. He also got got off to a somewhat slow start to the season. He had a 7.10 OPS on July 3rd, before going on a red-hot streak that lasted a little over a month. So here's a little factoid about Corey Seager's 2022 season. After the first week or so in August, his high watermark in terms of OPS in 2022 was on August 14th, when he had an 8.12 OPS after doubling twice. After August 14th, he slashed 221, 278, 395, giving him a 6.73 OPS over 187 plate appearances. Does anybody remember what newsworthy event occurred with the Rangers on August 15th? If you said Chris Woodward was fired, gold star for you. Seager is of course very close to Woodward, and Woodward being the Rangers manager was something that is, was seen as giving the Rangers a leg up and vying to sign Seager when he hit free agency last offseason. Though the giant pile of money the Rangers offered was probably a bigger factor, I think. Did Chris Woodward getting fired cause Corey Seager to go into a slump for the rest of the season? Probably not. He had a 771 OPS in August after Woodward was fired, and it was an awful 15-game stretch in the first part of September where he slashed 159, 221, 254, and that really drags the post-Woodward firing numbers down. That being said, players are only human, and it would be surprising if the manager Seeger was tight with getting canned didn't impact him on some level. Getting back to Seager overall's performance in 2022, he put up a 331, 
WOBA, the lowest he has had in his career over a full season, and well below his career 361. However, Seager's XWOBA, what, what he would be expected to put up based on his walks, Ks, and batted ball data, was 372. That's 41 points below what he actually put up, and just 5 points below his career average. Among all qualified hitters, in 2022, Seager's XWOBA was 9th. The top 10, to give you a flavor for the rarefied air he was in, was Judge, Jordan Alvarez, Freddie Freeman, Juan Soto at number 4, Shohei Otani at number 5, Austin Riley at 6, Kyle Schwarber at 7, Jose Obreu at 8, and number 10 is Paul Goldschmidt. I mean, that's pretty good company, right? When you look at the individual components, that's what one would expect as well. Seager's 15.5% strikeout rate is lower than the league average. He was in the 85th percentile in K rate in 2022. His walk rate is a little above average. He hits the ball hard. So what is dragging Seager down? His batting average on balls in play was .242, eighth worst out of 130 qualified hitters. Some of it, I'm sure, comes down to bad luck. However, he's also a lefty pole hitter who puts the ball in play a bunch, and so he was someone who was particularly hurt by the shift. How badly hurt? Well, according to MLB.com, they identified Seager as the player who lost the most hits to the shifts in 2022. Based on StatCast data, Seager lost roughly 20 hits due to the shift. Sports Info Solutions in mid-September 2022 had Seager as losing 25 hits as of that point in 2022, also the most in MLB. That's huge. It goes a long way towards explaining why out of 132 players who had at least 500 plate appearances in 2022, only two had a bigger negative spread between their WOBA and XWOBA. The good news for us as Rangers fans, for Seager, and for those of us who don't want to read angry rants about how Seager just needs to learn to slap the ball the other way, is that the shift is being banned for the 2023 season. And since the shift is being banned, one can reasonably expect for Corey Seager to have a significant number of additional hits in 2023, which will result in better overall numbers. How much better? Per Fangraphs, Manny Machado had roughly the same amount of defensive value as Seager in 2022 roughly the same amount of base running value, and a 382 WOBA. Machado was second to Aaron Judge in F4 among positions last season at 7.4 F4. To be clear, I'm not predicting a 7-plus win season for Seager. I'm not telling you to rush out and bet heavy on Seager winning the MVP at Caesars. Seager is a lefty hitter who isn't fast, probably going to be expected to underperform his ex-WOBA a little just inherently. But don't be surprised if, with the shift gone, Corey Seager has a huge season in 2023. The type of season that makes a $35 million salary for the year look like a bargain. And now, let us know your thoughts on Corey Seager in the comments section below. As always, if you want to support the channel, you can buy us coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash ttrangers. Your support helps the channel grow, upgrade our equipment, bring in new hosts, be able to pay them, and create even more content. As always, thank you so much for watching and listening. We will see you next time. This has been the Talking Texas Rangers podcast. Let us know your thoughts on the topics we covered by tweeting us at Talking TX Rangers 
or liking us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Talking Texas Rangers. As always, thank you for listening and go Rangers.